Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 263, Writing Books in a Series, an interview with Amanda Cabot and Lee Duncan, coming to you on Thursday, September 2nd, 2021. I was so happy when I got an email from Amanda and Lee saying that they had an idea for a new episode. They've both been on the show before individually, and they were pitching an idea about talking about writing series. Now, since they're both best-selling authors and both write lots of series, I thought this was a fabulous idea, and I immediately said yes. And now we get to hear them share all of their advice. So you are going to love this episode if you have any interest in genre fiction and the kind of thing that may be something that would work great as a series. Amanda and Lee are going to give you all of their tips, and then you can decide what's going to work best for you in your writing. Remember that the show notes always have links to the authors or whoever the guest is, even if they're not an author, uh, and uh, anything else that uh, was talked about during the episode. So you can find show notes, which will always include transcripts at some point. It usually takes a week or two to get the transcripts up at podcast.rightnowworkshop.com forward slash episodes, and then choose the episode that you're looking for. I hope you get a lot out of this episode. Here is Amanda and Lee. Today's guests are Amanda Cabot and Lee Duncan. Amanda Cabot is the best-selling author of more than 40 books and a variety of novellas. Her books have been honored with a starred review from Publishers Weekly and have been finalists for the ACFW Carroll Award, the Holt Medallion, and the Booksellers Best. Lee Duncan writes sweet contemporary romance and women's fiction. A best-selling author of nearly 30 books, novellas, and short stories, Lee was honored earlier this year when Southern Living Magazine included four of her novels in its list of the best Hallmark books. Welcome, Amanda and Lee. Thanks for having us here, Kitty. It's wonderful to be here. I love having you guys on the show individually. And then when you had this idea about uh, doing a presentation together on writing books in a series, I was like, oh, yes, this sounds fun. Let's do it. <laughs> well, we thought it was going to be fun, too. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, I know that there's a, a lot of things um, to cover in this topic. And uh, we'll want to, you know, sometimes probably go off on a rabbit trail. <laughs> But uh, let's go ahead and get started. Let's um, do just a little bit of um, two or three sentences or, or just some sort of um, intro to each of you, just so that people can remember, oh, yeah, I know that I've heard this person on podcasts before, but I can't remember who they are. So Amanda, can you just give us a little bit of background on you real quick? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm someone who once wrote standalone books, but now writes books in a series. And I'm having a lot of fun doing it, which is why, and so is my friend Lee, which is why I suggested that we do this presentation together. Awesome. And Lee, I, I know that um, you were my episode that was kind of all about Hallmark books, but uh, you that's not the only thing that you write. That's correct. Um, I started out writing for Har Harlequin and wrote a bunch of single title books for them. Uh, but now I'm, I'm pretty much writing series books exclusively, uh, some for Hallmark and uh, some independent published, which Excellent. I'm really enjoying, so. Wonderful, great. Well, listen, oh, did you have something? You know what, sometimes I'm gonna be like, 
I have to stop talking because I see somebody's lips moving, but I didn't know. <laughs> I was just going to say that uh, Lee's independent ones are terrific. I can see why she's having so much fun writing them. Yay! Across in the stories. I, I have been getting the uh, emails from Amazon saying there's a new book out by Lee Duncan. And I'm like, ooh, this looks like book one of a new series. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> I, well, signed, I okay. signed up to uh, to put out to write and publish five books this year, which has been a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> nice. Well, so let's just kind of move right into the series. So you guys both decided to to do more series. So why is that? Well, first of all, we want to talk about what the appeal of a series is, uh, both to readers and to authors. And I'm going to let Lee start to answer that one. <laughs> For a writer, I think the appeal is that you've put so much time and effort into creating these these wonderful three-dimensional characters and this beautiful setting. And to let go of that at the end of a, of a book seems a lot of times like a waste. There's, especially when there's a lot more story to tell. Um, the same thing for a reader, uh, how many of us have gotten to the end of a book or a, or a TV show or a movie and gone, hey, what happens next? You know, give me more. And I think that's the big appeal for series that you always want to know what's the rest of the story. And I agree. Um, for readers, it's a matter of coming back to a place that you really like. You know, the first time you go somewhere, it's an adventure but there's this feeling that you don't quite know it. The second time you come back, it's like going back to friends. And what I hear from readers is that they, they never want the story to end. And they also fall in love with my fictional towns. And they say, I want more stories set there. I wanna know what else happens to these people. And so it's that sense of continuity, the sense of familiarity with the town and hey, I really like it, I wanna know more. Right. Yeah, I definitely feel that way as a reader and as a writer. One of the things that you just said, Lee, about um, like putting together all of this um, time, energy, heart into something and then walking away from it forever. I'm like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> One of the other things we wanted to talk about, in fact, next on the list was types of series, because there are in some people may disagree with me. But I categorize series books as two different types. The first are continuing characters. The second are connected. Continuing characters are the classic series. This is where it all started. Um, this is where you have an individual story, like an episode, but the main characters continue from one book to the next. Secondary characters may change, settings may change, but you always know who the main characters are going to be and they're the same. So now you say, okay, well, what types of books lend themselves best to continuing characters? And it is typically plot-driven books like mysteries. I mean, think about them from Sherlock Holmes on to modern time. Those books, uh, thrillers, uh, suspense, tend to be really, really good fits for continuing characters. Connected characters are different, at least connected character series. 
in that case, you have protagonists in the first book and you tell their story. And at the end of the book, their story is finished. But the first book has introduced secondary characters who can then star in the second book. Typically in a connected character series, characters from the first book will show up in a secondary role or perhaps a, a cameo role in the second one, but they don't, they're not the stars of it. What kinds of books lend themselves to this? It's typically character-driven stories, uh, romances, general fiction. And that's because people are looking for the end of the story. Having said that, and one of the reasons why I'm so excited about doing this with Lee, is that Lee used connected characters in her Heart's Landing series, uh, but she has switched to connected, or sorry, to continuing characters in Sugar Sand Inn. And I want to know why. Uh, <laughs> tell me more. Well, um, with the with the Hallmark books, with the um, the Heart's Landing books, those were directed more by my publisher, who really wanted individual stories. And when I when I sold those books, I sold each book individually, and each each book I had to develop the characters that would star in that book. So we have. Um, uh, a simple wedding where we have a, a character who is come to town and she wants to plan a wedding for someone else, but she's undercover. No one's supposed to know it. And and then in, in the next book we have a reporter who's come to town and and she um, she's gonna expose this the town as a as a sham. And oh no, it's not. <laughs> you know? So um, so we have those. Um, we have so much of the town in those books, and that's really what continues from one book to the next. It's the setting that that can that continues. But with um, with the uh, Sugar Sand Inn books, the Sugar Sand Beach series, we have four women, and I wanted to. There's they're so close, so such good friends, and I wanted to really explore that friendship throughout the series. And each book focuses more on one of the characters, but they um, we we find out a little bit more about each of the characters as we go through the series. So we're really kind of telling one big story split over five books. And I'm have I'm having a ball writing them. They're just, they're a lot of fun. Uh, but I love the opportunity to really get down into the nitty gritty of their emotions and what's driving them, which I didn't think I would be able to do if I had to compress everything into one book about Michelle and one book about Aaron. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things that I find fascinating about your Sugar Sand books is that each of that you see all four of the characters and they do play starring roles. It may not be the lead role, but their stories are so entwined that you couldn't possibly have written one book without one of the other characters in it. And so you're seeing each of them developing 
over the course of these books. Um, and that's, you know, that's really interesting to me as a reader. I have a question about that. So I read the Hearts Landing series. Um, love them. <laughs> love that little town. I want to go there and, uh, you know, convince my husband that, of course, we need to just renew our vows. <laughs> uh, and um, and the, the other series sounds really interesting. It's new enough that I haven't read them yet. So are you doing um, like third person, multiple point of view writing but then it's mostly about one person's story and then the next book is mostly like it's the continuing of the friendship but now it's mostly from another viewpoint but still multiple third person or is it a different way well each each chapter has one of the characters as the primary pov mm -hmm. uh, uh, point of view and but each book i'd say Amanda, maybe 50% mm. of each book is devoted to one of the characters. The first book I thought was more evenly split with the mm. four characters. Um, mm -hmm. Yes, I mean, we're worried about Michelle and what's going to happen to her. But we really see so much of them that I wouldn't say that that was Michelle's book, per se. Oh, okay. Um, I see them as introducing the four characters, and as I said, they're they're so carefully entwined that you just you don't ever want to let go of these characters. You want to keep reading the series, and I have a feeling that even after five books, Lee, people are going to say, "Hey, we need more. What's happening next?" <laughs> well, we'll have to see about that, won't we? <laughs> and, and this into the next question, which is how many books should there be in a series? Um, and Lee, you want to talk about that? How you well, determine? You know, there, there could be anywhere from two to 200 books in a series. It really depends on how invested the author is in the characters and the setting and the plot of the, of the books. And and the um, over overarching thing that has to happen, you know, uh, you may uh, in, in Lord of the Rings, you uh, you you have this huge goal that has to be accomplished, and a quest that everyone is on, and you can you could have ended that in one book, I suppose, but it really took as many books as it took to get there, you know. So um, if you have a short plot, well, you can accomplish that in two books, a, a duology, uh, something a little bit longer, maybe three, four, five books. Uh, but there are series like Robin Carr's Virgin Ribbon, River yeah. series that just seems to go on forever. <laughs> and I'm so glad it does. Yeah. <laughs> That's where the setting is the continuing character part on that. I mean, mm -hmm. for me, the answer is simple. How many books in a series? My publisher says, you'll write trilogies. And I go, okay, I'll write trilogies. And that works because they're connected rather than continuing characters. But when you look at continuing characters, like a mystery series, as Lee said, they can go on forever. Because, you know, in the case of a mystery, you, know, you solve the mystery who killed who in this book, 
And then we go on to who killed who in the next book, you know, and who done it. So yeah, lots of different answers. Sometimes yeah. that, <laughs> an author might start a series thinking there'll be 10 or 12 books in the series and you get partway into it and and either the books aren't selling, there's not a big interest in it, the publisher changes their mind. Any number of factors can cause you to have to stop it, you know, and, and you hope that when that happens, you have the opportunity to wrap it up with a little bow instead of just leaving your care, your readers wanting the rest of the story. Yeah. I have to say, there's a great story I love to tell. I love to retell because it was just so funny to me. I'm a huge Jim Butcher fan. He writes an urban fantasy series. Yeah, you're nodding. You must know it about the 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 wisdom. Uh, sorry, wizard Harry Dresden, who lives in Chicago and helps the Chicago Police Department with unusual cases. <laughs> and um, he was at Comic Con, and my husband and I got to go listen to him speak. And he was telling this story about um, getting his contracts, you know, in, in groups of two or three books. And when they got to book 12, his publisher said, Okay, so this will be the end. Um, 12 books is more than enough. So, spoiler alert, he kills off the character at the end of the book in the last scene. And then the book sold so well that the publisher came back and said, So we'd like to offer you another contract. And he's like, you just had me kill you let me kill off the character book 13 was so interesting he said it took him a long time to try to figure out how in the world am I going to have a continuing character series when I've killed off the character um so I will not spoil the rest of it by telling you what happened but if you've read book 13 which is I think called um ghost it's right behind me um ghost story uh, you're like, okay, this is such a great opportunity and I'm sure horrendous at the moment for you to think of like a really creative solution for how to continue when somebody says, well, actually we, we do want to read more of these books. And of course the advantage if you're doing indie publishing as Lee is with the current series is that you can determine how many books you want to be in it. And I'm personally hoping that reader reviews or reader reactions will be enough that after she finishes the fifth one, she says, it's not the end. We're going to keep going. <laughs> you are so sweet, Amanda. <laughs> so now you want to talk about GMC in your book, Slee? Oh, in mine? Oh, okay. Yes. Does the does the goal, motivation, and conflict for the characters change over the course of the books in a continuing series? I think it has to. Um, in book one of uh, the Sugar Sand Beach series, uh, the main character inherits a piece of property. And I don't want to give too many details because I don't want to spoil it for, for everybody. But um, their whole, the four women, their whole goal in that book is to figure out what to do with that property and how to help Michelle, who is destitute. She's, she's a new widow and um, things had happened before her husband died that left her in a very precarious financial situation. So at the end of that book, 
they've decided what they're going to do with this property, which I suppose you can kind of get by looking at the cover. <laughs> but her, her goal and, and motivation and conflict for the next book has to be different because they've resolved that problem in the first book. So there's, there's some big issue that has to happen in each of those books in that series, some goal that all four of them are working towards. And, uh, and we'll see how it goes. I'm, in the, I'm almost to the end of the fourth book right now. So Fun. Waiting to see. Go ahead. With connected characters, there isn't the same problem because your connected characters have, you know, you've got the main well, protagonists of book one. And so you handle their GMC and you resolve it by the end of the book. And then since they become secondary characters in the second book, there isn't a conflict there. I mean, we are now focusing on a different set of characters, which I suspect makes it easier than what you're doing, Lee. Um, <laughs> hadn't really thought about that because, you know, when I think of continuing characters, I think more of plot-driven books, as I said before, like mysteries, where the, the GMC isn't that important. You're not seeing character growth. What you're seeing is resolution of a, of a problem. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, you've made life a little more complex and maybe that's part of the appeal of the series. One of the other things we wanted to talk about while we still have some time are what are the challenges of writing books in a series? And for me, the biggest challenge is consistency. Readers are very, very astute. If you've got a character with blue eyes in book one and suddenly in book two, they're brown, <laughs> unless we've had some colored contacts, uh, you know, readers are going to go, hey, are you a sloppy writer? And that's the last thing you want. So the way that I recommend um, <clears throat> to avoid problems with inconsistencies, I have three tools that I use. The first and the most important are character charts. And these are Excel spreadsheets or, you know, tables in Word. You can do it anyway. That's where I list my characters. And these are not just major characters. These are all the characters who show up in the book, all the named characters. I list their names, their physical description, their ages, but I do more than that. I also have things like, how do they refer to their parents? Is it mother and father, mom and dad, mom and pa? If they have pets, I put their pets in there. And since I write historicals, I also have to put in their horses' names yeah. so that they're the same. <laughs> I didn't used to do that. And then I'd go back and go, oh, what was Lawrence's horse's name? The reason that I do that with my connected character series is that you're going to see these people again. And you want to make sure that if somebody was 24 years old in the first book and it's a year later, she's not 23. You know, I mean, people want to see that. So those are just absolutely invaluable tools for me. The next thing that I do since settings are critical to my books, and as, as I said before, readers don't wanna leave the small towns that I've created, I do a map. And on the map of the town, I put every 
key building and I list it. And the reason for doing that is to make sure that the buildings are in the same place from book to book, from scene to scene within a book. My publisher loves it actually. And uh, they, they print those maps in the front of each of my books so that, the so that readers can see where everything is. And I've had readers tell me they absolutely love it because it makes the towns feel more real to them. Well, that's a nice plus. The reason I do it is it keeps me from making big mistakes. I mean, if I've got a ranch on the east side of town, I don't want it to suddenly have been transported to the west side of town. Similarly, if there are important buildings like a house in it, I do floor plans. Now, trust me, I am not an architect. These floor plans are crude in the extreme, but they show me where various rooms are located. So the parlor is, when you walk in the front door, the parlor is always on the right, the dining room is on the left. Those don't get printed in the book, but they're really important for me for ensuring that consistency, because to me, that's the hallmark of a careful writer. And Lee, any tools that you use or something you'd like to add to that? I do about the same thing. Um, when I was writing the Hearts Landing series, I had a little map that I had sketched out on a piece of paper. And, you know, every time I would create a new building, I would find a new store, I would find a place on the map where that belonged. And um, I sent that to the director of Hallmark Publishing. And I said, you know, this is just just a tool that I'm using, but it, it might help you orient yourself as you read the, the book. And lo and behold, they hired a graphic artist and they, um, they actually put the map in a much nicer map than I created in the book, which was very helpful. I can't tell you how many people have um, said the same thing. Now, um, with the with the hearts, uh, the Sugar Sand Beach series, I knew I was going to be in trouble halfway through the first book trying to write these books so quickly and keep track of everything. So I hired my sister and I said, I need a Bible. This is what it is. <laughs> I, I need a, a full description of every character, uh, how exactly the same kinds of things that Amanda just talked about, you know, how their speech patterns, their educational background, their ages, it has been an invaluable tool to have. I, I actually have some questions about uh, how you organize your Bible, because um, when I started building my first one, at first, when I was just, you know, looking at characters, you know, she drives a blue Saturn and she lives here and this sort of thing, um, that was easy. But when when I started needing to remember certain things, either things that happened or things that were uh, in some way connected to more than one character, I was like, do I put it in both places? Do I have a, a separate area that's, you know, for, for things that are not specific to a character, but are like just general points I need to remember, like there was this fight and these people were at the fight. So do you guys have any any specific ways that you're organizing information or is it kind of just, I'll get it all in there. I don't need to look at the Bible that often. So it's not worth taking, you know, a lot of time to make it super organized. I don't actually create a Bible. Um, 
I create the character charts and the maps and the floor plans and that's it. Okay. So I, can't, I can't answer that question, but maybe Lee can. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, I have a list in the back uh, let's see, in the front, I have the maps, floor plans, um, layouts, <clears throat> pictures of, of the characters. If I've gone online and found a movie star that looks just like my character, I'll put that picture in there. Um, and then I'll have um, a list of all of the characters and their traits. And then following that, I'll have like the highlights of each each chapter in each book, just one sentence. Uh, you know, this is what happens, this is what happens. That way, if I need to, I can go back to that specific place and I don't have to remember, did that happen in chapter six of book two or was that in chapter four of book five? Yes. You know? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> okay, maybe I was too quick in saying I didn't have a Bible because I also have a timeline. Uh, for right. each of the books. It doesn't have, it's not broken down by chapters, but it shows the date, the day of the week, and then what happens. And um, that is really important to me as I go back. Um, for example, I was just doing edits on the third of my Mesquite Springs books, and I needed to add a couple small scenes. Well, okay, where are they going to fit in? I pulled out the timeline. And uh, the other thing that I use with the when I'm creating the timeline is I have, uh, I download a calendar from time and date for the year because you know, I'm writing historicals. And what that has on there are the holidays. So I know when it's Easter, which is important to my characters. I also, what I love on that is that it gives you the phases of the moon. So I know if there's a full moon and that sometimes plays an important role. I mean, I've got, in the book that's coming out next March, I've got some people trying to find out what is happening on this ranch. And, oh, it's a new moon, so nobody's going to see them. That's great. It would be different if it were a full moon on that day. And that would keep you from having a full moon, you know, a week later, <laughs> right? That consistency issue, yep. Yeah. Nice. So did we answer your question, Kitty? Yeah, yeah. I have to say that this is something that um, it's not so much a struggle. I'm just always trying to figure out um, a faster way and um, a more um, efficient way to grasp all the information. Like you said, was that in book two or book three? I can't remember where I put it or was it, did I mention it, you know, as part of the main story for this character in this book, or was it actually when she was a secondary character in the other book? Yeah, those are the sorts of things that I'm always trying to keep track of. So do you guys do it all electronically or do you print it and put it in a three ring binder? I print mine out and put it in a three ring binder. So okay. that, that's the easiest thing for me. And then I just keep it right there beside me when I'm writing. How about you, Amanda? Um, I keep a lot of stuff printed um, because the way I write, I mean, when I write a chapter, I'm sitting at my desk and I'm scribbling on you know, pencil and paper, scribbling what is happening in this chapter. Um, I mean, definite scribbles, but then I take that to the computer and turn it into coherent English sentences, print it out, and 
again, when that's the first draft. When I write the second draft, I'm working from hard copy. Uh, third drafts are done exclusively electronically because what I find is that I see different things when I'm looking at the printed page than I do on the screen. I think different, I, I don't know this for a fact, but it seems to me that different parts of your brain are engaged when you're looking at the screen rather than at a piece of paper. And so by using both, you get the best of everything. Right. One tool that helps me too towards the end of the process is I print everything out and I read it aloud, usually mm -hmm. with, with someone else in the room listening. Uh, and I find that that helps me catch missed words and misspellings a lot better than uh, if I was just trying to read it without saying the words out loud. Yeah. I've done a uh, proofreading by going to the last chapter and reading it backwards page by page because then I can't get involved in the story. Oh. So I'll read page 300, then page 299, then page 298. Yeah, that's the way that I can catch things a little bit easier. Otherwise, even though you know your story and it's and you wrote it for yourself and for other people, I mean, we are in this business, so we are writing it for other people. But I have to say, I get so involved by the time that the story is really well developed that it's hard for me to remember, oh, I'm supposed to be editing right now. <laughs> well, we had, we had talked about whether books should be standalones or not right. uh, when we're doing a series. And for me, the answer on that is yes, they need to be standalones. I can't have cliffhangers. Um, what I did with the Mesquite Springs stories is the second book has some open, um, some points that are open that can't, they're not major in book two, but they're completely resolved in book three. First time I've done that and readers didn't particularly like it. So I won't do that again. Um, Lee, I mean, I guess it, it depends on what your readers expect from you. Right, and I, 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 that is, yeah, that is the true, that is the true test. It's the reader expectations. And I, I believe like with the Hearts Landing series, those are, um, um, what are they? They are connected character books and each one of them can be read alone. And that was set up in the first book. Uh, but the, the, the new series, the Sugar Sand Beach books ends on a cliffhanger um, I'm, I'm really telling the reader right there, you know, if you're interested to find out the rest of the story, you're going to have to read all of these books. And mm -hmm. amazingly, a lot of them are. <laughs> so, yeah. So then it, it really is a little bit like Amanda's audience has these expectations and Lee's audience has these. Okay. Yeah. True. And that's one of the, the key things as an author is to know what do your readers want? What do they expect from you? I mean, if I started writing murder mysteries with people, you know, slashing others with knives, I'd go, oh, Amanda, what happened to you? <laughs> um, you would have to have another name. <laughs> I couldn't dare to do it anyway. But... Um, I mean, I really do think that one of the key things for us as authors is to know what people expect when they see our names on a book. Right. And I mean, when I see Lee's name on a book, I know it's going to be beautifully plotted, beautifully written, 
and it's going to be heartwarming. And, and when we completely at the end of, of one book or not, doesn't matter to me because I know she's going to give me another one. <laughs> and when we read yours, Amanda, we know that we're going to we're going to walk away fulfilled and with a new appreciation of how God really works in our lives. And uh, and we're going to get a great story along the way. <laughs> I have to say that this is part of the reason why I've been doing rebranding this year. Um, I had thought slash hoped that I could encourage my readers to be aware of which series that they were reading. This series is going to be entirely sweet. This one, I would call it, you know, semi-sweet. There's, you know, a, a few words that, uh, that wouldn't appear in the sweet series. Um, there'd be a, a little bit more, you know, no sex on the page, but a little bit more, um, uh, touching and stuff on the page and that I was making very clear in, in my mind, and I thought that I was communicating it well enough that this is what you would get in this series, this series, this series. But um, my readers are not paying enough attention to that. <laughs> and so they would get confused going, but this was so sweet. And now this one has swear words in it. Or, or you know, why, why are these characters being like so, um, so goody two shoes? Like what happened to what was going on in this other book? I'm like, but they're different series. So now I'm like, okay, yes, if, if I, um, do I have something that's definitely not going to be at all sweet. There's going to be some, some murder and blood and stuff in it. I'm just going to have to have a different name. And in the meantime, in order for my marketing to work the best, which will help my career in, um, and also help readers to be happy. I'm choosing that. I'm just going to write sweeter and everything that has Kitty Buchholz on it, you know, you'll know that there aren't any swear words and there's no sex on the page, which is really difficult with my married superheroes because they're newlyweds. I'm like, I've got to make it clear that they're very happily newlyweds because I think that's one of the most delightful gifts that God has given us. And I don't feel like it needs to be completely neglected, <laughs> but I just need to make sure that I'm not, uh, you know, going outside the bounds of what works for marketing purposes. So. Uh, sometimes, you know, that's part of the, the way that I'm making those decisions as well, marketing. <laughs> now, there was one more question on my list. Um, how did you decide whether a series is right for you? Like, the, do you have some stories that you're like, you know what, this is truly a standalone story and I don't see myself, you know, choosing to make it into a series. Uh, do, you, do you decide on a kind of a per story basis? Amanda, you know, when you're talking about the publisher is saying you can have a trilogy, I assume they mean we want you to have a, a connected or continuing character trilogy, not three standalone books. Yeah, I like uh, doing that. But the, my, when I was thinking about this question, it was really designed for other authors, for people to, who are thinking about this. Do you want to write a series? Is it right for you? And so the first, I want to turn that around with a question to the authors, which is, first question is, do you like reading series? Because if you don't, don't even try to write it. Um, if you think that series are a great thing to write because they're gonna sell well, but your heart isn't in it, you don't wanna write continuing characters or, can, or stay in the same town, don't do it because readers are gonna know that you're not sincere, that this isn't what you love. So make sure about that. And then the second question to answer if you're going to do continuing character series is do you wanna spend a lot of time in the heads of these people? 
you may or may not. Um, a woman I know who used to write standalone historical romances, her agent suggested that she write historical mysteries, continuing character historical mysteries. And she said, oh, I don't want to do that. It'll be so boring to write about the same person, same two people all the time. But her agent kind of pressed her and she went, all right, I'll write a couple of them. Well, she loved it. And 20 years later, she is still writing that series and they're selling extremely well. So my advice on this is, if you think you wanna do it, try it. You might be surprised. I like that. That's great advice. <laughs> I'll add to that too, is it, it depends a little bit on the size of your story. It, if you have a story about, um, oh, I don't know, two people who are trying to decide whether or not to fall in love with each other, that lends itself to a, a single title. But if, if they have a bigger goal in mind, uh, then you can consider a series. But if you, you, you have to have a big story for a series to work. So, yeah, when I'm thinking about series uh, and looking at examples of things that I really love, like what you were saying, Amanda, do you like reading series? Um, and I look at the things that I really love that are in series, which might also be television shows because it's still a story. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of times I'm looking at something like Castle and I'm thinking, okay, that has got to be so fun because you've got two different characters who are getting to know each other a little bit more with every story. You've got a separate story every time, but then every now and then you're referring back to this really big mystery that still hasn't been solved after, you know, decades. And I, I just love watching all the people, you know, then somebody has a baby and then somebody's dating somebody and then they break up and all these things are happening, you know, through the course of, of a really long story. Um, so everybody's growing just a little bit. They have little goals that they're meeting and have motivations for, and then maybe their goal changes a little bit. Uh, I, I just find that so much fun. And I find it also to be um, excellent learning for me. I use Castle and again, the, um, the Jim Butcher books as a way for me to be thinking about how to keep the big story arc in mind, you know, so that I can have a really long series, but also how to make sure that I've answered the question for this particular book, you know, by the end of the book. And given like what you were saying, Lee, like if you want to know what else happens, you are going to have to read the next book, but I try to make it in a way that's not, um, it's not that irritating, like I brought up the problem and now I'm not going to tell you the answer. I'm just going to remind you that they haven't actually solved this other problem, but they did everything they could for today, which is kind of the, the way that I try to, to tie up the, um, to make it feel a little bit more standalone, even when there's still this big overarching problem. And Jim Butcher, I find to be just masterful, you know, by book 14 or 15 of the way that if you started out, and why would you, but if you started out with book 15, um, 
he is kind of weaving in just tiny little bits, half of a sentence sometimes, so that if you have no idea who this character is or why he's in this situation, you're, you're understanding through the course of, you know, two or 300 pages it takes him to weave in these tiny bits of backstory and kind of really only when you need it, which is exactly, you know, the best way to, to, to write the backstory into the story. And I love looking at his books. It would be too much pressure if he if he knew how much I use his books as as um, uh, textbooks, <laughs> but uh, but he does such a great job at it. And because it's someone else's story, it's easier for me to like walk away from mine and then come back to it and go, oh, OK, I don't actually need these three sentences. I only really need just that half of a sentence in dialogue. And that's really all the need reader needs to know today. <laughs> it's fun, right? <laughs> We wouldn't do it if it wasn't. Right? <laughs> oh, listen, we really appreciate this. This is a wonderful kind of guide to um, what questions to ask yourself to decide if this is what you're interested in, uh, the questions to ask yourself to decide which type of series you might be interested in writing, um, and uh, a whole lot of things to help keep everything organized enough so that you can please readers. And honestly, you don't want to frustrate yourself either, right? <laughs> uh, so let me just ask, um, where can we find you and your books when people want to know more about you? Lee, do you want to tell us first? Sure. I can be found on the on the web at leeduncan.com, L-E-I-G-H-D-U-N-C-A-N.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at Lee Duncan Books. Wonderful. How about you, Amanda? Uh, I'm at amandacabot.com, and that's A-M-A-N-D-A-C-A-B-O-T. Probably figured that one. And all of my social media links are on my first page, so you can find everything there. Wonderful. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I know you both have deadlines and things going on. And, and whenever there's writing, there's also marketing for the book that already came out. So we really appreciate you taking the time to help us out with answering and help answering questions, but also helping us to know what questions we should be asking ourselves when it comes to writing series. Thank you. It's been great to be here today. Kitty, it is always wonderful to be on your podcast. And what I would like to do is thank you and also thank everyone who's listening or watching and tell you that if you're thinking about writing a book in a series, both Lee and I encourage you to try it. You'll never know whether it's something you want to do unless you try it. So don't wait. Start now. <laughs>